Given the myriad of challenges in South Africa, local investors might think investing offshore is a safer bet. However, some of South Africa's largest investment managers have warmed up to domestic assets in the last few months, arguing that poor sentiment has created an opportunity too attractive to ignore. If that's the case, how much should we be investing locally and how much offshore? And where exactly is the value to be found locally? Joining us to discuss this is Chief Investment Officer at PSG Wealth, Adrian Pask. Hi, Adrian. As concerns grow about the political and economic outlook for South Africa, local investors often assume that investing in offshore markets is a safer option than investing in the local market. How does South Africa's investment landscape compare with the U.S. at the moment? Hi, Kieran, and thanks for having me. Well, at this stage, it looks like the U.S. economy will continue to grow, largely thanks to masses of of monetary and fiscal stimulus, which which by now is, is known. But uh, you know, and and the local economy on the other side of that equation is um, under severe strain. So we we trapped in a in a dangerous chokehold of of poverty, unemployment, and weak productivity. And that being said, you know the, the strength of the economy, contrary to common belief, isn't always the best proxy for future investment outcomes. If we look at the the valuations at this point in time, for example. It seems like the valuations in the U.S. are priced for perfection. So a lot of that good news was really priced in. Um, and we expect that the U.S. counters will largely grow into their steep valuations. So not much in terms of re-ratings upwards and significant further gains uh, from here. And in contrast to that, in South Africa, having things been so so tough over the last few years and um, I mean, even leading leading up to COVID, we were in a, in a tough predicament. You know, there really lies a big opportunity at the moment. And, and as you mentioned in your introduction, we start seeing investment managers locally identify that and say, well, if we look at the valuations, we recognize the risks and the strains on the economy. But if we look at the valuations, there are significant opportunities in the local market. You say strength is not always the best proxy for future investment outcomes. Now, for investors looking to take their funds offshore, what other factors should they be considering? Yeah, as I mentioned, I mean, the economic strength is one thing to consider, um, but valuations, as I said, is really important at the moment. So the discrepancy between uh, U.S. and South African valuations are at extremely high levels at the moment. So we we see um, U.S. valuations on some of the biggest stocks um, are at record levels. And contrary to that, we've got South African stocks. If you exclude Nutsbash from the, um, from the calculation, then we are on, on, on single digit multiples. But in addition to that, it's not just valuation. So yes, economic strength plays a role, valuations play a role, but especially with offshore investing, there are other practical things to consider as well. So if you look at, I mean, I mentioned now Nutsbash and the concern is there that it is a substantial weighting in our local index, but that problem is actually far worse on the offshore um, index in, in on the S and P 500, where you know, the top 10, 10 stocks effectively account for for 30% of the market capitalization. So obviously we need to be risk aware as well when we construct portfolio. It can't just be opportunity seeking. You've got to balance that against some of the risks out there. So the level of uh, let's call it domestic and offshore sector concentration needs to be considered as well. So where exactly are you going to invest your offshore uh, funds? And then in addition to that, we, we're all aware of the practicalities of regulation. So regulation 28, that, that limits your ability to invest offshore. 
But counterbalanced against that is obviously tax incentives. So there's significant tax incentives for local investments uh, to keep in mind. And then there are other factors around transaction costs. So typically, it's far more expensive to invest offshore than and locally as well. Liquidity plays a big part in, in, in that as well. And just briefly back to the tax component of that, I think a component that's often severely underestimated by investors is the amount of taxes that applies to estate uh, duties on the, in the event of your death. Um, obviously, the situation on offshore investment is significantly different to, to local. So by the time that you've really considered how much offshore, uh, it's not so much just you know the typical argument that you would see um, around, yes, but the economy is poor and the economy in the US is fantastic. Um, I've mentioned now valuations, risks, concentration, transaction cost, liquidity, regulations, uh, a myriad of things that need to also be taken into consideration. Being exposed to only one currency, that can leave investors vulnerable to this concentration risk that you've just mentioned. How can they effectively mitigate that risk? Yes, that's true. And, and I think the same can also be said for investing in a specific asset class or, or only one region, for example. You know, I, I always think back of uh, how, how sectors evolve. So if you cast your mind back to the early 1900s, you know, rail was effectively the biggest sector um, on the S&P. Uh, and, and we know you know, industries, um, you know, evolve and tech has come into play, et cetera. So those things tend to, to move over time. So the best protection that you ultimately have for that is, you know, diversification, just making sure that you're not exposed to any specific asset class or any specific currency uh, sector, et cetera. Right. You mentioned that exposure to diverse markets, sectors and geographies is key. But what is the appropriate percentage of one's portfolio that should be invested in overseas assets? That's a really good question. Um, but you know, unfortunately, I don't think there is something like a one size fits all, you know, recommendation here for a specific client. Because each, each client has, uh, you know, his own set of circumstances, whether you potentially have existing liabilities offshore that you need to be able to cover, whether you intend on immigrating, for example, all those sort of things come into play as, as well. But I think what we can confidently say is that Offshore investing plays an important role in, in diversification and, and the risk management that you apply on your portfolio. And there's definitely other factors beyond economic factors that you need to take into, in, into consideration, the, the things that I alluded to earlier. Um, if you look at it statistically, you would move around, say, you know, 50% offshore, 50% local. That's typically if you run a model to say what will offer you the best risk-adjusted return. So, I mean, obviously, there's benefits that you pick up by taking capital offshore, um, when the offshore component as well, when the local one is suffering and vice versa. Um, and that answer is typically 50-50. But when you start to make adjustments for what's happening in your state, for example, and, and what the tax consequences are um, on your state, then, then that might look significantly different. Also, if you're a very cost-sensitive client, you, you might look at it differently. And if you have a lot more capital in retirement funds where there's significant benefits but not much in terms of discretionary capital, then then your portfolio would also look significantly different to someone that has a lot of discretionary capital that they can take offshore um, without being limited by, by regulations. We're going to leave it there. That was Adrian Pask, Chief Investment Officer, PSG Wealth.